Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of The Wise Man's Fear and then talk about it. This is page 741. Come now, I said, embarrassed. I'm not that bad. You are close, Fashet said seriously as she sat back down on the bench. If you were my son, I would not let you leave the house. As my student, it is only tolerable because you are a barbarian. It's as if Tempe brought home a dog that can whistle. The fact that you are out of tune stands quite beside the point. Vashet made as if she were to get to her feet. That said, if you are happy speaking like a simpleton, just say the words and we can move to other things. I reassured her I wanted to learn. First, you say too much and you speak too loudly, she said. The heart of Adem is stillness and silence. Our language reflects this. Second, you must be much more careful with your gestures, she said, with their placement and timing. They modify specific words and thoughts. They do not always reinforce what you say. Sometimes they run purposely counter to your surface meaning. She made seven or eight different gestures in quick succession. All of them said amusement, but each of them was slightly different. You must also come to understand the fine shades of meaning, the difference between slim and slender, as my poet King used to say. Right now, you only have one smile, and that cannot help but make a person look a fool. We worked for several hours, and Vashit made clear something Tempe could only hint at. A Turin was like a wide, shallow pool. It had many words, all very specific and precise. A Demic was like a deep well. There were fewer words, but they each had many meanings. A well-spoken sentence in a Turin is a straight line pointing. A well-spoken sentence in Adem is like a spider web, each strand with a meaning of its own, a piece of something greater, more complex. I arrived in the dining hall for supper in a considerably better mood than before. My welts still stung, but my fingers told me the swelling on my cheek was much reduced. I still sat alone, but I didn't keep my head down as I had before. Instead, I watched the hands of everyone around me, trying to note the subtle shades of difference between excitement and interest, between denial and refusal. After supper, Vashet brought a small pot of salve, which she smeared liberally across my back and upper arms, then more sparingly on my face. It tingled at first, then burned, then settled down to a dull, numb heat. Only after the pain along my back faded did I realize how tense my entire body had been. That's the page. My name's Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. Could the poet king have been Elodin, do you think? Obviously, like, we, we don't know that he's a king, but he certainly has poetic and a poetic affect. That feels too small to me. Like Like it's making the world small? Yeah, it feels like too small world. I feel that, and I also, I just think that there is nothing at all to suggest that he is. Yeah, that's fair. All right, just a thought. Mm-hmm. It's a good thought. You know, we want to encourage thoughts. We're not the Imperium of Man out here. What if we're head empty? Oh, okay. That took me a minute. Yeah, I'm not down on my. I'm, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> caught up. I should say on my uh, Warhammer lore. Yeah, your 40k lore in the loading screen for Dark Tide. Uh, it it gives it gives you like a huge cycle of like quotes and aphorisms to, to go through while you're waiting for a game to load and one of them is a closed mind is a is like a is a happy <laughs> mind <laughs> uh, yes I'm, I'm too early in the episode for you to be tangenting it's never too early it sure is if you see no sedition you're not looking hard <laughs> enough <laughs> i'm sad about dark tide my computer's in storage while i move and so i haven't been able to play it it's it's a tragedy really you know what else is a tragedy? The fact that you two can't stay on the page. <laughs> Would you like to lead us back there? I wanted to mention that like, it feels like, maybe it's just because I'm looking for it now, but it feels like 
Basha is mentioning the poet guy a lot. I think the poet guy, maybe Quoth reminds him of her. Like, I think you're right, Jordan. I think she does mention him a lot. And I think that it might be because maybe he reminds him of the poet king. Maybe like talking about the 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 outside world reminds her of it like i think there's all kinds of reasons i think that it's it's very astute and i don't think it's an accident if nothing else i think that her mentioning of the poet king serves to remind us that vachette is more worldly and well-traveled than any of the other Adam we have thus far met uh so she is a good interlocutor for quoth because she she's kind of she understands both worlds a bit better I really love the imagery that Rothfuss uses to describe the differences between Adem and Aturin rhetoric. A well-spoken sentence is an, in Aturin is a straight line pointing. A well-spoken sentence in Adem is like a spider web, each strand with a meaning of its own. That really gets the idea across very clearly. And he finds a couple of different metaphors to make that point. And it does make me curious. I am a woefully a monolingual person I'm not even conversant in any other language besides English. I only know phrases here and there. And I would be fascinated to hear from someone who is conversant or fluent in more than one language if they have encountered a phenomenon like this where like a language's rhetorical culture is very different and like the way it expresses ideas is different. I have a sense that a lot of East Asian languages take a different approach to to this kind of thing, but I can't say so with any confidence because I don't speak, you know, Japanese or Mandarin or Korean or anything like that. I wouldn't say I, I'm, I'm by no means fluent in any other language other than English and maybe like a smattering of French. But from what I've learned very basically from Japanese and also just from like reading manga is that there are things that can only like jokes that only make sense if you read the characters because the characters mean different things when paired with other stuff right there's like multiple um, levels and, like sometimes of they happening. make jokes with the character like a like how it's written and like there's no real way to translate that joke into english it's just it like it kind of doesn't quite work the same but it's really funny if you read and and speak the language which feels like a similar thing yeah, I think the other interesting thing for me on this page is Quoth has already had round one of learning the ADEM language, ADEM Hantok, ADEM language 101. And this is like ADEM language 201 because she's like, okay, you are getting the idea across you. Like you can make yourself understood, but you're not doing it as gracefully as you could be. You're not, you're not connecting ideas in the right way. You're not grasping the subtleties of the language which as a person who is conversant in several languages i'm sure both finds very frustrating he's a he's a pretty eloquent person in more than one tongue i think that it's it's must be something like the difference you know if i if i had english as a second language and i was putting this like me go eat now at table like i'm getting my point across but i'm not speaking very well right i think that's the that's the difference so it's almost like he's he's found a new level but it does sometimes feel like a step back because she's like oh you suck at this so bad you're not getting any of it i think that is part of it i think that it is a step back and i think that quoth thought he was doing a pretty good job he doesn't know how much he doesn't know which feels like a step back yeah well it feels like a step back to learn that but that's also a of course quoth would think that he was doing well at something (laughs) 
I think that's also an experience that anybody who's learning something has. When you first start to get good at the basics of something, you start thinking, oh, I'm actually pretty good at this. And then <laughs> you learn enough to find out how much you don't know and how much you have left to learn. Process of uh, starting from unconscious incompetence, then conscious incompetence, then unconscious. No, wait, then conscious competence and then unconscious. Yeah, that there's like that ever progressing sine wave, right? Uh, I don't know if it's a sine wave necessarily. I think eventually you do, you know, have your unconscious competence. But we're at the point now where Quoth is going from not understanding how little he knew to starting to understand how little he knew. But I, I think Jordan is onto something that, like, of course, Quoth would be <laughs> would think he knew more than he did, and then be disappointed and upset and frustrated upon finding out that he uh, he didn't. Well, so would I. Yes. Well, we can't all be. The most special boy. No, that's just me. Yes. <laughs> so we uh, we have some letters. I'm going to just crack hey. open uh, the Discord to read a letter from here. Here's a bit of a long one. Uh, this is from Bill, who writes in regards to Arthur's note about magnetism and the Dracus. I've just listened to the first part of Arthur's letter where he asks where the extra energy came from when Quoth brings the iron wheel down on the Dracus. There's a binding from the lodestone to the wheel and another binding from the Dracus to the scale. Quoth brings the lodestone to the scale and the wheel falls onto the Dracus. Arthur wonders where the extra energy comes from, and he's right. Two bindings doesn't have enough strength. From page 614 of Name of the Wind, quote, I broke my mind into two pieces, then with some difficulty into a third. Nothing less than a triple binding would do for this. There is a third binding that brings most of the energy used to move the wheel. Quoth is holding a burning shingle lit from the fires currently burning in the rest of the town. He uses the energy from all of the fires around him to actually pull the wheel toward the Dracus. The burning shingle is much like grabbing a pinch of ash from a campfire, only a much better link to a significantly larger source. I think Frothfist has a really well-defined grasp on the conservation of energy and how that impacts sympathy. I wouldn't be surprised if he even went so far as to have a fact checker that knows the value of everything in joules to make sure the energy exchange in the story is accurate. Other things can be quote-unquote magic, but almost all the sympathy is scientifically laid out. I will now let my glasses slide down from my nose. All that's good. Signed, Bill. That's a very well-reasoned response, Bill, except that doesn't he use the burning shingle to, uh, to douse the fires? He doesn't attach that energy to the wheel. He uses it to put out all the fires. He throws the shingle into the well. Yes. Why, why not, not both? both? There you go. Solved it. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm glad we put that one to bed. I'm so glad that we had this conversation. Yeah. 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 Jordana, really. Uh, thank you, Jordana. You you really saved us with your scientific acumen. <laughs> yes. My very, my very scientific why not both. <laughs> Jordana will cut through the Gordian knot of your letters problems on tomorrow's page. Uh. Uh, wait. Wait.